does the Bible endorse capital punishment? Now, before we uh, even get into this, I want to, to say a few things, okay? Number one, a few disclaimers. Number one, I want to say that this is an issue that we should never break fellowship with another brother or sister in Christ over something like this. This is a non-essential issue as it relates to the Christian faith. There are some things that are core. Is Jesus God? Yes. And if a person doesn't believe that, I will break fellowship with them if they do not believe. They say that they're a Christian but do not believe Jesus is God. Um, there, there are a number of things that are core and, and we need to make separation from those who are so-called believers if they disagree with those core doctrines. Uh, but this is not one of those things. And there are a million things that sometimes in the church world we try to make a part of that core, but they're really nowhere close to the core. And uh, this is one of those things. There's no reason to get in arguments with other people about these. Um, there are very valid views on either side of this argument. Um, tonight, what I want to do with you is I want to share with you my conclusion. Um, so I am going to have a very... Um, uh, what I'm going to state tonight is my opinion from the text, from Scripture. I've, I've taken a look at Old Testament, New Testament. We're going to dig into this, and this is my conclusion. There are other men and women of God that have gone through the same exercises that I have, and they completely would disagree with me. And so I just want to make that clear. So if you find yourself like in disagreement with me tonight, that's okay. It's okay to be wrong. No, I'm kidding. It's, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But but I do. I want to. I I kind of want to lighten the mood as as we go into this very difficult thing because um, I'm. I'm aware that there may be people in this room or people who will watch this online that they have either had a person that they love and care for who has found themselves under uh, the issue of capital punishment or there has been a crime committed against a family member and they had to deal with you know, the, the perpetrator and wrestled that to the ground. And so I'm not trying to be hostile or anything like that, but I do have a very strong opinion based on scripture um, and that's what I want to share tonight uh, with you. Now, when we talk about the idea of capital punishment, very specifically in the majority of the time tonight, what I'm dealing with is the death penalty, what we would consider the death penalty um, today. And so what I decided to do is I decided just to go through the Old Testament and the New Testament and to say, um, what does the Old Testament have to say? What can we learn from the Old Testament about capital punishment? What can we learn from the New Testament about capital punishment? And then the way I want to round out tonight is I want to deal with um, some objections that people may have against the position. And I want to kind of just give you um, just a little bit of uh, my the other side of those contentions or those ob objections to that. And hopefully that will um, if you find yourself on the same side of this discussion as me, it may help you in your discussions with other people. And so tonight what we want to do, we want to start with the idea of capital punishment in the Old Testament. We're going to jump right in. Um, number one in your notes, um, the first statement says this. It says capital punishment, what we find is that it does not actually violate the Ten Commandments. One of the first things that... Um, uh, people say when you begin to deal with things like um, um, capital punishment um, justice is they say, well, in the Ten Commandments, the Bible says, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not kill. And that, that is true. That is part of the, the Ten Commandments uh, in the Mosaic Law. 
Um, but it's important that we understand there is, a, there is a difference between killing a person and murdering a person, okay? Um, killing a person, um, it is a broad category that can include things like accidents, like manslaughter, um, war, self-defense, all of these types of things can fall under the category of, of killing a person, but it's not necessarily murder. If someone breaks into your home and their intent is to murder you, but you defend yourself and they end up dying, that is not the same thing. That is you have killed a person, but you have not murdered that person. Because the idea of murder is the unlawful, deliberate killing of people who were innocent, okay? Um, there is emotion that is attached to murder that is not attached to killing. There is hatred or violence or whatever the case is. There is an angst that is coupled with murder that is not necessarily coupled with uh, the accidental killing or self-defense or war or whatever the case may be. So we find that even though the scripture does say that, you know, thou shalt not kill in a lot of our translations, the most accurate understanding of the translation is not thou shalt not kill, but thou shalt not murder. Okay. So it has to do with the intent of the heart um, as we work through this process. So number one is the idea that capital punishment does not violate the 10 commandments because there is a difference between murder and killing. Okay, number two, uh, capital punishment, what we find in the Old Testament is that capital punishment is commanded in the Old Testament for a number of crimes, more than 16 different offenses. God himself commands that capital punishment be the, um, the result. So there is this idea in Genesis chapter 9 where the Lord is speaking to Noah after Noah has, you know, the flood has come and gone and only Noah and his family are left to survive. This is kind of like a reboot of creation. And so we call it uh, Noah's covenant where God comes down and he speaks about the, the promise of the rainbow never to, to flood the earth or destroy the earth with flood waters again. And as a part of this, this is what the Lord says to Noah as he is helping Noah understand how you should, how you should live life. And one of the things that he says is whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed for in the image of God has God made mankind. And so this idea of what's happening in the, in Noah's covenant it is not the Mosaic law that, that we often talk about. And I know there's, there's a lot of confusion with all these different things. What, what do we pay attention to? What do we not? And all these kind of things. Um, but, but to be clear, the instructions that the Lord is giving to Noah, they seem to be very universal. They, they don't seem to be tied to a timeline or to an ethnic group or to a people group or to a civilization. They seem, all of these things, including the rainbow, they seem to be very universal and they seem to be very timeless. And so the Lord makes this case here, basically whoever murders a person, their life as a result should be taken as, as, as a result of that. When you get into the book of, uh, the books of Exodus, Leviticus, um, Deuteronomy, there are so many instances where the death penalty is actually commanded by God. So here's a list. I'm not sure. I, I think I removed the list from your notes just um, 
for the, <laughs> for the sake of um, these things being online, I, I don't want to be misunderstood. But in Scripture, uh, the Bible speaks to premeditated murder, rape, breaking the Sabbath, incest, blasphemy, kidnapping, sorcery, adultery, bestiality, false prophecy, striking or cursing a parent. There would be a lot of dead kids in, in the West today, okay, if we still lived under, under this type of covenant, this type of law. Sacrificing to false gods, the practice of homosexuality, um, human sacrifice and fornication or adultery. And so there were, there were all of these things that as the Lord is, is creating a civilization with the people of Israel, he is giving them civil laws to live by. He's saying, listen, when this happens in your community, if somebody comes and they steal your goat, this is how you need to deal with that situation, okay? And so a lot of these things, as God is applying the death penalty um, to all of these different things, we no longer live under that type of civil law. We don't live by the same laws that the Jewish people of the Old Testament did, those civil laws in the way that they organized and, and ran their community. We live by a, a different set of governing principles. My only point in saying this is that it's important for us to understand that God was the one who prescribed that there are certain offenses that should require the life of the culprit, of the, of the human being that, that has done these things. Now, I will say this, um, assuming that there has been repentance in the Old Testament, um, mercy could be issued, and most of the time mercy was issued when a person was guilty of these things, and they could, um, you know, they could like pay a fine, or they could somehow restore, you know, what, what they, they had done wrong, or whatever the case is. Assuming repentance takes place, there were probably more times than not where mercy was issued, and their life was not taken. Okay, it's very important for us to understand that. It wasn't like, you know, a kid like, you know, accidentally got upset with his parents and every time he was like, mom, I just don't understand and they killed him. That is not what, that, that is not the situation. Um, there, was, there was incredible mercy involved. There was incredible, uh, this idea that a person who is repentant, um, we're, we're going to do our best to extend mercy. However, it's important for us to understand that when there was the taking of an innocent life, there was no other mercy extended. It was given to capital punishment, okay? So there are all these things that the Lord said, if this should happen, you know, this is how you need to deal with it. But there was one thing, which was murder, taking the taking of an innocent life, that the, the community just rallied and they said, there's no other way to deal with this. The, the person who has murdered, we must take their life as a, as a form of justice, okay? And so it's important that we understand that, you know, it wasn't this, you know, great covering and there were just, you know, people getting killed left and right, you know, just running amok and, you know, um, these social, you know, warriors and everybody is, is finding somebody to, you know, to, to issue capital punishment. That was not the situation at all. Mercy was greatly extended a lot of the time. However, it's important for us to understand in the, in the case, especially of unrepentant murder, a life for a life was, was the command. Now, again, I want to reemphasize, we do not live by this list of, you know, of 
things in the, in the Mosaic law, okay? This was very specific for their community. The point of what I'm trying to say is number three in your notes, that capital punishment is consistent with the character of God, okay? For the reason that God was the one who prescribed that capital punishment be the punishment for certain offenses, okay? So even if a person, and it's okay if, if you disagree with, you know, the, you know, the idea that the Bible does uh, endorse this, I think an intellectually honest person has to come to a place where they admit that even if I disagree with what's being said, at some point, you have to come to an understanding that God was actually the one who commanded these things. Like it, it was within the character of God. Um, it was consistent with the character of God to issue this type of thing. Okay. Now the argument comes in, well, we're no longer under the Mosaic law. We do not live under that. And that is absolutely right. And we thank God for that. We're under a new law. We're under the law of love. We're in a covenant because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And we're no longer bound to the law. And so we don't abide by the civil and ceremonial laws that the Jewish people did. Okay. This is why we don't get our tents out once a year and, and go on a camp out. In the, in the Feast of Tabernacles, okay? They were commanded to do that as a ceremonial thing, but we're no longer under that, okay? And so the argument comes in and it says, well, that was the Mosaic law. We're now under this new covenant with Christ. And so we're, we're not bound to those things. And obviously that's, that's absolutely right. And so what we then have to do is say, well, what does the new covenant say as it speaks to things like capital punishment? And so what I want to do is I want to read to you a, a pretty good portion here from Romans chapter 13. This is what the Bible says. This is Paul writing here. He says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, Whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment against themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right. That's what he's saying. He's saying, if you're a person who does right, then you've got no problem with the governing authorities. But the people that do have a problem with the governing authorities, they have fear, are those who do wrong. Do you want me to be free from fear? of the one who's in authority, then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant working for your good. But if you do wrong, you should be afraid. For rulers, and this is key, rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. So in this text, we learn a few very important things under the new covenant, under the, the law of Christ. Number one is this, is that Romans 13, it's very clear that capital punishment is endorsed. This idea where Paul says, listen, they don't carry the sword for no reason. 
Um, there are some that say, well, the sword is just a symbol of, of authority. But, but when you read the greater context of this, he, he uses phraseology like these men are agents of wrath, right? They are, they are here to punish with the sword the wrongdoer, okay? So Paul, on some level, okay, now this is not, let me be fair, this is not explicitly saying that you will die right, that, that the punishment or the agents of wrath will take your life. But he is indicating that very severe punishment comes to certain wrongdoings by way of the sword, okay, whether that means the loss of a hand or, you know, foot or the loss of a life, okay. But regardless, Paul is endorsing this idea of capital punishment, okay. Number two, capital punishment, according to the text, is an instrument of God in order to enforce peace, okay? So it's this idea of deterring evil, okay? Uh, so for instance, in, you know, for much of human history, mainly in Middle Eastern countries and different things, but, but really in, in a lot of different cultures around the world, um, if a person were to go and to steal something from another person, they may lose a limb if they get caught there is what's called swift justice. And so, you know, somebody goes and they, they, you know, snag a loaf of bread that's not theirs and they are found, you know, uh, thieving that thing. The authorities may come in and they may just take their hand off right there in the moment. And what the reason they execute that swift justice is to create a deterrent for the rest of the people. They will be using others as an example to say, look, I saw what happened to him. I'm not touching anybody's bread that's not mine. Okay, it serves as a deterrent and God is is kind of using that to say, listen, capital punishment, it, it is an instrument in order to establish order and peace in your civilizations. There is this threat or this fear that should strike in our hearts not to do wrong because of the earthly consequences that we may have to face. Okay, so it is an instrument that God uses to establish peace and order. Number three, what we find is that capital punishment is not revenge. Very, very important. Verses just a few, the, the chapter right before what I just read, Romans chapter 12, this is what Paul says. Right as he's leading into this, this capital punishment idea, he says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not take revenge, my brothers and sisters, right? So, Paul is communicating this idea that forgiveness is required, right? No matter what has been done to us or how we have been offended or what we have suffered, as Christian believers, forgiveness is required of us. But revenge is not the same as justice. Revenge is one of those things that's tied to emotion. It's tied to hatred. It's tied... Um, to, you know, if you want to take it this far, it can be tied to murder. Revenge is not a good thing. The Lord says, don't take out revenge. I will be the one to avenge you, okay? So this is not about revenge. This is about justice. This is about what I would consider earthly justice. And Paul is saying, listen, earthly justice is a good thing, okay? Eternal justice is a good thing. And that's coming at an, another point in life, okay? The point of what I'm trying to say here is that justice should be an objective um, measure. 
So anyone who is issuing a ruling for something like capital punishment, they should be a person like a jury or like a judge who is completely untethered and removed from the situation emotionally so that justice can truly be blind. It can make objective decisions because it's not about revenge. It's about doing what is right. And this is what Paul is emphasizing. Okay. Justice. And, and, and again, I know, I know this is difficult when, when we start, you know, you say, well, they took a life. So now you're going to take their life and all this, but, but let me, let me communicate this justice for the guilty is a form of mercy for those who are innocent. Okay, let me say that again. I'll try to explain it the best I can. Justice, when we execute justice on those who are guilty, it is a form of mercy for those who are innocent. Okay, let me give you an example. We've all seen in news reports people who have had multiple, just a litany of criminal offenses, whether it be battery, assault, DUIs, whatever the case is, they, they just have a litany of, of you know, a, a criminal history. Uh, let's take DUIs, for example. There are people that have had multiple DUIs and they have been able to get out of the penalty of that then finally, at a certain point, they are under the influence again driving, and instead of just getting into an accident or getting pulled over, they end up killing an innocent person. Frankly, because oftentimes justice has not been served. They have not had to, in a, in a sense, pay for you know, what, what they have done, and therefore, an innocent person has now lost their life. So that's why I say to execute appropriate justice on a person who is guilty of criminal activity, appropriate justice, oftentimes can mean mercy for innocent people because you're protecting the innocent by carrying out justice for the guilty, okay? Um, so again, I know this is very complex and all this kind of thing, but just try to stay with me. Okay, so uh, capital punishment is, is very different than, than revenge. This is what we find in Paul's writing. And then finally, number four in Paul's writing, this is what we find. That capital punishment is consistent, again, is consistent with the character of God. There are those, you know, in, in research I've read, there, there are those that, that say this is not the, you know, capital punishment would not be the ethic that Jesus, you know, would, you know, Jesus talked about turning the other cheek and forgive seven, you know, times 70 and, and all of these types of things. And, and I, I agree that Jesus emphasized mercy, that Jesus emphasized forgiveness and that Jesus emphasized not carrying out retribution and not carrying out revenge on other people. Jesus did say that. And then there would be those that would say, well, Jesus would never, you know, insert the lethal injection to a murderer um, in order to execute, you know, capital punishment. And I understand what, what people are saying when, when they say that. And for the love of the Lord, I have been praying. I've been asking God, please help me to represent you well. I do not want to misrepresent the Lord on any stretch of the imagination. But it's important for us to understand that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And throughout all of human history, although he may not have inserted a needle into the arm of a person, God, throughout human history, Old Testament and New Testament, 
he has executed judgment by taking the life of humans. I mean, you can't get away from, from the scriptures. There are times where, again, as we discussed last week, where the mercy of God has been exhausted and therefore the judgment of God begins. Again, you think about Ananias and Sapphira. The Bible was very clear. God took their lives. When you look at Herod as he refused to give glory to God, the Bible says an angel of the Lord struck him and he died. The book of Revelation, when, when Jesus returns to the earth, and, and again, I want to be careful uh, how I, I represent the Lord, but when Christ returns to the earth, part of his you know, duty is to uh, retrieve his bride, but there's another part where he is coming to clean wickedness from the earth. And in order to do that, people will die. And so it's just important. And again, I know for, for me even, like this, this can go against my sensitivities and I'm just like, oh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. But again, I, I, can't, I can't base my faith in what I believe about God based off how I feel. I've got to take the text for what it says and I've got to trust that God is always good and never does evil, okay? And so we, we've got to come to a place where we understand that in the New Testament and Old, that capital punishment is consistent with the character of God, okay? Now, let's walk through a few objections. Um, I pulled a number of these. A guy by the name of Sam Storms, um, he went through a number of um, uh, objections. I narrowed the list down just to keep it kind of concise. Uh, but I wanted to just speak to a few of these and uh, give you a little bit of information about these. So there are some objections that, that people, well-meaning people, Christians have. Um, and again, this isn't for the sake of argument. I just want, I, I want us to understand like, like some rationale for why some of us land on this side of the argument. Okay. Uh, number one is this. One of the objections is capital punishment is not an effective deterrent of crime. Okay. Now I will say this. Um, it is undetermined whether or not the death penalty, for example, is an effective deterrent of crime. Okay. But the reason it's undetermined is because it's unknowable. You, you cannot know if it was actually a deterrent of crime because the crime wasn't committed. Does that make sense? Um, so so it, it's not really able to be determined because it's not really knowable, okay? Now, I will say this about deterrent. I did a little bit of research from the FBI's website, and they have all these statistical information that you can gather. From 2015 to 2020, in the United States, there were over... 102,000 murders, murders, not killings, murders in that five-year span, over 102,000 murders, okay? In the year 2020, there were 2,500 people that were on death row, okay? Now, again, let's, let's I know I, I should have put the numbers up, but, but here's the thing. You have 102 people who have been murdered, and then you have 2,500 people who were on death row, meaning that the vast majority of people who commit murder never see capital punishment. So it's very difficult to understand, well, is it a deterrent or is it not? Because the vast majority of people who actually commit murder, they are able to escape capital punishment um, 
by just simply not, not having to go through that, okay? So, so is it an effective deterrent? Really not sure, but it's really unknowable, okay? Um, number two is this. There is an objection that capital punishment constitutes cruel and unusual punishment, okay? Now, I'll say that um, <laughs> on some level, isn't, isn't all punishment cruel? Isn't it the purpose of punishment to invoke some level of pain or discomfort to the individual. This goes all the way from our children, whether we, you know, a person spanks their child when they do wrong or whether they ground their child or take away their rights and privileges or whether a person commits some type of crime, we put them in a, a prison cell or if they commit a different type of crime, we put them in solitary confinement. I mean, that, that is a big span of different punishments um, but all of those on some level, you know, if you have a two-year-old and you pop their bottom when they do something wrong, well, in their mind, that's worse than putting them in solitary confinement. You know what I'm saying? So, so like, uh, there's this, there's the span, but the point is, is that all punishment is kind of intended to be discomfort. It's, it's intended to bring a certain type of pain to the person who's, who's committed the offense. Okay. Um, and that's appropriate. That's the way that it should be. Generally speaking, the more severe the punishment, the greater the deterrent, okay? So this is why if a person robs a bank, uh, they may get 10 or 20 years in a federal prison. But if you go down to CVS and you steal a Snickers, you may go to jail, local jail for two months, okay? Why? Because the punishment should, in a, in a sense, fit the crime. And so is it, is it cruel and unusual? Um, I would say it's probably more unusual than it is, is cruel because all punishment is designed to have a level of cruelty to it or, or inflict pain, okay? Uh, number three is that uh, this objection is capital punishment discriminates against minorities, okay? Um, it is absolutely true that there is a, disparid, uh, a, a disparity, there is an imbalance as it relates, and, and you can do your own, your own research, there is a plethora, I mean, from, from every angle and every side. Um, there is a great disparity between people of different races and ethnicities who commit the same crimes and their punishment is very, very different. There are studies that, that um, you can read, I, I, I read, and. I read an entire chapter of a book a couple of years ago, and one of the case studies, it had three or four different case studies, but one of the case studies was um, a, a white male and a black male, and they, I mean, literally everything on the docket was, was virtually identical. They were the same age, they had the same background, they were from the same area, they committed almost the identical same crime uh, of carrying marijuana, and as a result, so many things were the same, the same, the same, the same, the same. The black man received three years in prison and the white male received three months in prison, okay? So, so there is a, a disparity there and I'm not saying this every single time, obviously that's not true, but what I am saying is that percentage-wise, there, there is a disparity. But listen to me say this, um, that doesn't make capital punishment morally wrong it means that our justice system is very flawed. It means that there needs to be some 
um, uh, some reform for our justice system to make sure that justice is actually blind, is actually objective, and does not take race or any other factor into consideration. Okay, so even though on some level it 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 is true that there is a disparity, that doesn't make capital punishment like null and void. It, it it doesn't morally make that wrong. It speaks more to the flaws of the justice system than it does the the actual punishment. Okay, number four, capital punishment allows uh, for the possibility of the execution of a person who's innocent. Okay, like this is an objection. Um, once again, on some level, this is true, okay? There are people that are, um, that are innocent that had been on death row for 20 years. You've seen the stories or, or longer than that. And DNA evidence makes it conclusive that they are actually not guilty of the crime that they have spent all this time and on death row for and, and they're, they're released back into freedom. Um, that is true. But I will say this, that happens with every type of crime, not just people who, who are on death row. There are going to be errors in the justice system. But again, that doesn't make, the, that doesn't make punishment wrong, morally wrong. What it does is it puts a greater burden on the justice system. It says the due process must be uh, greater, there must be greater accountability. There must be, you know, certain types of evidences. And I'll say this, in the Old Testament, it's so important we understand this. In the Old Testament, the Jewish interpret the way that they handled things with capital punishment, it was incredibly harnessed. It was incredibly harnessed and they executed mercy more than they did capital punishment. But there were so many caveats that had to, there, there was so much evidence that had to come into the picture to make sure that this person was actually guilty of what they had done before capital punishment could be issued. And so again, just because, you know, um, it, it, it's one of those things where a person may be innocent and, you know, the, the, the law got it wrong, um, it doesn't make it morally wrong, but it does say that that means there needs to be a greater burden. There needs to be a greater burden. And, and that's why we would say that the idea of capital punishment is reserved for the most extreme cases such as murder that is undeniable, like it is, it is, it is a provable thing, okay? Number five, another objection. Uh, this is huge. This is a huge objection at, um, in, in modern America. The objection says this, it is logically and morally inconsistent for Christians to argue in favor of capital punishment while at the same time arguing against abortion and euthanasia. Okay. Um, I, I will say this is a weak man's argument. Okay. And I say that respectfully. You are talking about people who are innocent in a womb, children, people who are elderly, people who are disabled. You're talking about innocent people and taking their lives for no reason. No crime has ever been committed. And then you're talking about people who have been proven guilty of heinous activity. These are not the same thing. That is not logically incoherent. That they're, they're two very different categorical things. And we, we, we must understand once again that the sanctity of human life is also found in defending the innocent human life from perpetrators. 
okay? So, so there is this idea of protecting that which is innocent. That's where the whole idea comes from punishing these heinous crimes is to, in the future, protect those who are innocent. Okay, so I do not believe that's that's a, a strong argument, although that has, you know, it has dominated social media over the last few years. Um, you're, you're talking about two different categorical things here. And then finally, number six is this, is that capital punishment terminates all hope for the salvation of, um, it says the victim, but, but it means the person, the offender, the one who's going to die from capital punishment. And I'll say this, um, that may be true in, in a sense, um, but I'll also say, uh, so does driving your car and living every day, right? Like, like things just happen, lives are taken. This is why Joshua said, choose this day whom you will serve. The, one of the good things about our, you know, the, the capital punishment um, situation in the United States is that it requires years, uh, most of the time decades before capital punishment is actually carried out which is ample time for a person to repent and turn from their sins, okay? So it's important for us to understand, again, that this is not an issue that should divide us. This is an issue that there are, um, there are different sides of this equation, but this is what I would just, um, I, I would challenge you with. Wherever you land with some of these issues, make sure you land there because of what the Bible says, not what culture says, okay? And so my opinion to answer the question, does the Bible endorse capital punishment? I would say, yes, the Old Testament and New Testament do endorse capital punishment, but it is not required and it should be reserved for the most extreme of circumstances such as murder. 